Fantastic. Who's, who's excited to be in the house? I'm excited. Um, it's fun to be in the house, isn't it? It's good to be here. This morning, I woke up and Kirsty said to me, uh, you, she said, happy birthday. And then after that, she said, uh, you know, you were sleep laughing. <laughs> you know how you can like, you, you know, you can sleep talk and sleep walk. Well, apparently I was sleep laughing. And I thought to myself, well, I'm glad my subconscious is having fun without me. <laughs> you got to have fun, don't you? So this morning, we're going to read from uh, the last chapter of Mark, uh, and Liz is going to come and read us the passage from which we're preaching this morning. So welcome, Liz. Thank you. I need that like that. I had an interesting sleep last night too. I kept dreaming that I couldn't open the Bible, and then when I did, Mark was missing. (laughs) (laughs) So to be sure, I printed it off this morning. Anyway, to be serious, (laughs) the resurrection. Saturday evening when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way to the tomb, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us? from the entrance to the tomb. But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where his body laid. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Fantastic. Fantastic. So, we just got to the part in the story, I don't know if you picked this up, where Jesus actually rose from the dead. It was kind of hinted there, wasn't it? But he rose from the dead. That's pretty remarkable. Does anyone know anyone else who's risen from the dead? Well, Jesus. Very good. Anyone else? He just rose from the dead. That's incredible. And that is actually so important for us as Christians. I don't know if you know this. It's very, very important. And there are reasons why it's important. And sometimes I think about that and I think, but, but why? Like, wasn't it all done on the cross? Why did he have to come back to life? There is an important reason. And I'm going to tell you that reason at the very end. So just allow yourself to brew in suspense. Oh, gosh, why did he rise from the dead? David, can I get mini-me up here, please? Thank you. That's the mini-pulpit, mini-me. That's what I like to call him. (coughs) This story, I think, is a little bit about the resurrection. And it's a lot about three three women who wanted to honour God. But God didn't meet their expectations. And so we're going to talk this morning about why God doesn't always cooperate with your plans and what to do when you're doing what you've always done 
but God isn't in it anymore. What to do when you find an empty tomb? That's why I'm only telling you why the resurrection is important at the end, because this story is actually about these women who have a plan to do a good thing, but they're going to, uh, to anoint Jesus' body, but God had a different plan. They came to where they last saw Jesus, but he was no longer there. So what to do when you find an empty tomb? First, we have to figure out what is an empty tomb in your life and in my life. And I started thinking about that. What is an empty tomb? What could an empty tomb represent? An empty tomb, for me, is a place where God once was but has moved out. Is anyone excited to hear this message this morning? Very good. It's where you're expecting God to be, but he has other plans. It's what you find when God is calling you to something new. We used to do uh, youth services here in church. They used to be called EYC, which is short for Everburn Youth Church. We thought we were pretty damn cool. We made T-shirts that said, I heart EYC, and we're taking photos with them. And we'd do these rockin' youth services where lots of young people would come and we'd get the youth band up and play songs extra loud and get young people to preach. And uh, they were great. We had such a great time doing those. We learned so much doing them. And then after some time, we realized that something had changed. Something had shifted. Maybe it was just that we had all grown up and all of a sudden we're just still doing an old thing. But I was driving one day and felt like God was asking me this question. What are your youth services offering that is not offered on a Sunday morning? And I sort of thought, oh, because they were kind of youth and young adult services, and they sort of become young adult services, and then they were just sort of like services where we just were a little bit exclusive to young people. And I thought, we should be the church, not the next generation of the church. So we shouldn't be saying, oh, don't, if you're young, don't serve in main church. Come and serve in this service. And I thought, oh, God's moved on. This thing is not what it once was. And so I realized we'd found an empty tomb. It's easy to look back on how things once were and say, ah, the good old days. We should go back to that. Do you ever dream of, like, not having any responsibility? (laughs) Do you ever think back and think, man, when I was a kid, it was like, I could just do whatever I wanted. And it just, you know, there's no weight. Sometimes you just feel the weight of your responsibility and you dream about uh, going back to that. Sometimes we think about younger people today and we say, well, I wasn't like that when I was younger. Has anyone said that? I've said it. And I'm not even that, well, I'm older today. (laughs) But I'm not that old. I don't think we were like that when we were younger. I found found a Greek philosopher from from like the 1600s or something. And he wrote this quote about how... uh, Genera- this, this next generation, whew, they don't respect their elders, they don't know what they're doing, they're just rebellious. 
And uh, we were never like that when we were younger. And I thought to myself, it sounds like something someone's saying today, but it was written 400 years ago. We can't have rebelled that much. My word. So we like to think about the good old days, but Isaiah 43 verse 18 says this. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Is anybody glad that our God is into a new thing? That he doesn't just leave us wherever we were and uh, whatever we were doing, but he's actually into the new thing. Kirsty, you can do that. Thank you. <coughs> Good catch. Well done. I'm so glad that God has a plan. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. And he has a plan for uh, this church. And that means that he doesn't leave us where we are. That means that you and I will experience times when we are right in God's presence, doing his will where he wants us. And then as time goes on, because God is into the new thing, you realize God's not here anymore. Something has changed. Or maybe you have some plans of your own and God seems to be with you, helping you with those plans. And then all of a sudden, it seems like all of your plans are disrupted. Does anyone love it when someone comes and changes their plans? There's one hand. And I think it was a sarcastic hand. If you know what that's like, then you found an empty tomb. He is calling you out to a new thing. <coughs> Maybe your relationship with God uh, used to be alive in your prayer time or your Bible reading or whatever it is that you were doing. It used to feel like it was full of life and it's not anymore. You've been plugging away uh, as you always have been, but it's just not what it once was. Maybe Connect Group for you used to be really exciting and now all of a sudden it seems dull. It could be something in your church life, it could be in your work life, it could be in your family. Something that is dead that was now, that was once alive, or at least that God's presence was in it, and now it seems to be no longer there. You were tracking along as normal, and now you find yourself all alone and there's no life here. Well, you've found an empty tomb. Maybe... <clears throat> It's not that you've lost the life in a situation. Maybe you're actually being called out to something new and you're aware of that. Maybe you can already feel God calling you to a new thing, to a new role, to a new situation, to a new person. Maybe you used to be comfortable in Connect Group, uh, but now there's new people, things are changing, and now you don't know quite what to do. You're being called to a new thing. Maybe you used to be comfortable here in church uh, you, because you knew everybody. I like to know everybody's names. Maybe as we're growing, God's calling you to a new thing, to be a name learner or to be a greeter or something like that. Maybe you have a need, maybe you can see a need that you can fill in an area of your life. You have found an empty tomb. One thing is certain, changing plans is uncomfortable. Is, there, is anybody comfortable at the moment? Why don't you just shift your bottom around on the seat, get a bit uncomfortable, lean forwards maybe, getting ready to hear, oh, again, Ben's gone right down on his seat. <coughs> Changing plans is uncomfortable. Is that right? Yes. It's uncomfortable. I say comfort is overrated. Does anybody like skydiving? Not particularly comfortable, 
but I imagine a heck of a lot of fun, right? So, no, <laughs> some kind of adventure is that. Why do we go on roller coasters? Because we like adventure. Oh, people, people down the front row, we don't. <laughs> we don't go on roller coasters. At least does. Go on a roller coaster. Why don't you go to the show? It's not comfortable, but it's damn fun. And wouldn't you want to have experienced that at some stage in your life? God is calling you to grow. For the women in this story to continue their discipleship journey, they had to lay down their plans and go to Galilee. They had to go somewhere new. Sometimes the empty tomb is the two-year itch. Has anybody heard of the two-year itch? It's kind of between one and three years of being a Christian and, and uh, you're in church and you're loving it. Sometimes you, you just, oh, Jesus is so incredible and I'm learning so much and his presence is all over me and everything is exciting and I can apply God in all of the areas of my life and what a wonderful thing it is to be saved. And it's kind of like the honeymoon period of a, of a wedding or a marriage. And it's just so beautiful to be in relationship with Jesus and you're just letting him fill you all the time. And then the two-year itch comes along. It's like a time when all of a sudden you're doing all the same things. You're being filled by God. But it's just not there anymore. It's like I'm uncomfortable. What am I, where am I going from here? You've kind of learned all the things that you can learn and, and you've, you've got it all. But, but it's like, oh, but do I, what's the point in still coming here and doing this and just doing that. I don't understand. And the reason is this. The reason the two-year itch happens is not because God has abandoned you, but it's because God is calling you to a new thing. He has filled you so that you can fill others. He is not just about ministering to you, but he's calling you to be a minister. And so that means that there's an uncomfortable period where you're doing all the same things and it's great to be alive and yet something is missing. It's like, Ugh, I'm uncomfortable now. It's because God's wanting to pick you up, turn you around and send you out. And so if we're aware of the two-year itch, we, you and I need to become good at guiding people through that process and helping them to see that they are not just here to sit and receive, but they're here to give and they're here to be sent out and to be part of God's plan on this earth. That's the two-year itch. We need to get good at leading people through it. And if you're in it right now, I just encourage you to go and talk to somebody. Say, I think I've got the two-year itch. And uh, we can help you get involved and <coughs> equip you and send you out. But ultimately, we all need to move from asking God to bless our plans and move to devoting ourselves to being part of his plan. If you want to write that down, if you're taking notes, it was this. We need to move from asking God to bless our plans and move to devoting ourselves to being part of his plan. So, three women, Mary, Mary, and Salome. It seems to be a very popular name in the Bible, Mary. There's lots of Marys, and it's hard to figure out which Mary is which. But there's two Marys, Mary Magdalene and Mary, uh, the mother of James, and Salome. And they saw Jesus 
breathed his last breath on the cross. They had been with him previously in Galilee. They come from Galilee. That's where their homes are. And they had welcomed him and been hospitable to him in, in their homes and looked after him in Galilee. And then now they've followed him to Jerusalem where he's died. And this extraordinary man who they've followed is dead on the cross. Their lives, which had gone on such a great adventure, a roller coaster with Jesus, would now feel like it's been kind of stopped, like their hearts have stopped. My goodness, I don't know where to go from here because we were following him and now he's dead. That was not part of the plan. So now we kind of have to figure out what we're going to do next. They go to the funeral and the funeral is happening just before the beginning of the Sabbath. So you can't work on the Sabbath, and that includes having funerals. So that means that, that they are rushing this funeral for this extraordinary man. It seems like all the people who were once following him have gone away, but these three women and some other women are remaining faithful. They're, they've gone to the burial. Joseph of Arimathea has asked for the body and put it inside his tomb and they're watching and as they're watching, they're wrapping up the body and, and, and Mary turns to Salome and she says, the spices, they've forgotten the spices. We're rushing too much to get this all done for the Sabbath and they've forgotten to put spices in with the burial. You see, the Jews would put oil and, and spices inside the wrapping to delay the decay of the body so that the body could smell nice in the afterlife, I guess. <laughs> you know, you got to put the deodorant on before you go to a new world. And so they're looking and they're seeing, my goodness, they've forgotten the spices. Have you ever noticed a need and you've seen something and you've thought, that's not right. I should do something about that. And so you formulate a plan. <coughs> They're preparing for the, 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 the mourning period. They're, gonna, they're already weeping. There's three days of weeping. And then there's seven days in which that they don't work and they actually deny their personal care. So these three women have called their bosses and they said, give me a week off work because I'm mourning Jesus. They say it amidst tears because the first three days they spend weeping. So it's like this. <laughs> We've lost him. Guy. I need time off work. You probably didn't sound anything like that, actually. In fact, they didn't have phones, so... But, you know, I'm painting a picture. You get the idea. They switched the hot water system off because they're not going to have a shower for a week. They're at the burial. The sun's going down. It's too late. How are they going to buy the spices? So they need to wait till the next day. They've noticed something's not right. They've taken it upon themselves. They say, we should do something so that our leader, this incredible man of God, can be buried with dignity. They want to honour Jesus. They go home. They're planning to buy the spices the next day. They're getting messages on Facebook saying our condolences and uh, we're so sorry for your loss and anything we can do, just let us know. Someone brings a meal around, which is lovely, but doesn't quite quench the hurt in their heart. <coughs> The next morning, at the earliest moment, the women get together and they go to the spice 
merchant's shop. It's Sorry, it's not the morning. It's at sunset. So it's the earliest moment that they can go out and go and do some shopping because that's considered work. So they're going in the dark. They're walking through the dark streets. And uh, they're a bit nervous because who knows that they were followers of Jesus. It's risky to be out at dark at the moment. They get to the shop. They bang on the door. The spice merchant comes out disgruntled. We need to buy burial spices urgently, they say. Well, which spices do you want? I've got Coles brand spices, and I've got these handcrafted, hand-picked uh, Ethiopian burial spices. And uh, they say, well, we'll take the hipster ones, uh, the boutique spices, because Jesus is awesome and he deserves the best so they buy the hipster spices they all collect their money together they don't have that much money but they put together what they can to buy these hipster burial spices and uh, they hurry back home in the dark because they don't know if the streets are safe they set their alarm clocks to get up really early Jesus is important you see they want to honor him five o'clock in the morning is an ungodly hour but they're getting up at five in the morning. They've set their alarms because it's worth it to honour Jesus. So they hurry about their business, collecting all that they need. They meet outside Salome's house at sunrise. But one of the Marys isn't there yet and she's, she's got the spices. So they're sitting there waiting. Where is she? She's always late. Mary is always late. They're texting her and calling her. She's not picking up. Finally, she arrives with the spices. They've checked her on Find My Friends, so they've got a little bit of calm. They know where she is. <coughs> Just as the sun is creeping over the horizon, they start out to go to the tomb on this very important mission. I'm trying to paint a picture of three women who are working hard and diligently on their plan. Just as you may have had a plan and worked very hard and diligently, especially in the case of trying to honour Jesus. You see, Jesus should be buried right, and so there's no one else around doing the right thing, so they figure it's up to them to do it. On the way, they start running through all the things that they've got to make sure they haven't forgotten everything. You know, you've got something to eat. Yes, you've got something to drink in case we get stuck out there. Salome, you brought the spices. Yes. Mary, do you have scissors in case we have to cut the, the cloth? And maybe we'll need new wrappings, yes. And then one of them says, wait, the stone. We saw them roll the stone over. The stone will still be closing the tomb. What are we going to do? I can't move the stone. You can't move the stone. We're not strong enough to move the stone together. What are we going to do? And they start worrying about what they're going to do. They say, we need some men. Maybe we can find some men on the road and get them to move. Where's Peter? Peter was here, and then he left because he was scared. If Peter was here now, then he could have moved the stone. Have you ever felt like that? Why am I the only person here doing what is right? I'm the only person who can see this. Why is nobody else helping? Where is Peter? Peter should be here. And then Mary says, Salome, look. She looks up. There's the tomb, but the stone is already rolled away. Often we worry about things, how we're going to do something that God can and will do himself. As long as it's part of his plan, 
If it's just part of your plan, then you're on your own. But it just so happens that rolling the stone away was part of God's plan in this instance. And so the women tiptoe up to the tomb and they gasp. Jesus is not there anymore. His body is gone. There's an angel sitting there. And the angel says, Mark 16, verse 6, Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter. Interesting that Peter specifically mentioned. Possibly they're restoring him to the faith because they were annoyed that he had deserted them. Jesus is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Three women find an empty tomb. Turn to the person next to you and say, an empty tomb. It means that their effort was for nothing. They bought the spices for nothing. They literally wasted their money on hipster spices that they did not need because Jesus' body was gone. It means that they can't fulfill their original plans. It means all the tears were for nothing. It means that they got up early at five o'clock for nothing. That should be one of the seven deadly sins. But we have to understand God's ways are not our ways. His plans are greater than our plans. His thoughts are not our thoughts. They wanted to give Jesus some extra spices at his burial. God the Father gave Jesus life. Which one is a better plan? Uh, he, needs, he needs some clothes to make sure that his decaying body doesn't smell bad or we could bring him back to life and he won't need the clothes. I'd say that's a better plan. Sometimes you and I have got the clove plan, but God wants to be doing the resurrecting life plan, but we're so consumed with putting the cloves in the burial clothes that we completely miss the bigger plan. If the purpose was to deliver the spices, then it was for nothing. But if their purpose is to follow Jesus, then it's not all for nothing because it got them to this place. Their plans got them to the empty tomb. If your purpose was to do what you've been doing forever and then the plan changes, well, you'd feel like it was all for nothing. You've wasted your time. But if your purpose is to follow Jesus, then it isn't all for nothing because it got you to this place where you can find the empty tomb. You see, the women knew where Jesus was. He was in his tomb. They thought they knew where he was. He was in the tomb. They watched the stone roll over the entrance. So they had been there. That's where he was before. Don't you and I do that? We go back to where we last experienced the presence of God. They go right where they last saw him, but he's not there anymore. Has Jesus left them? Has he abandoned them? Thank you. <laughs> I, it, was, it was rhetorical at the beginning and then I left it long enough to turn it into a real question. No, of course he's not leaving them. Of course he's not abandoning them. He's calling them out to something new. 
There is a new plan in place and they need to be aware of it. When God is no longer present in the places that he used to be, it's probably because he's gone ahead of you and he's calling you to follow him. He actually wants you to grow, to become something new and to go somewhere new. Maybe for you, God used to be in the subtle cupped hand raised like that in worship. So you started out like this and then, and then you were like, God, I might just give this surrendering thing a try. And so you do this. Did anybody see that? And you think, wow, I've just surrendered. You know, I've, I've kind of stepped out in faith to worship God. And, and as I do that, I just feel his presence all over me. And you keep doing that every week. You think, I've got a secret to worship. You just go like that. And then, ah, oh, you feel God's presence. And then a few months down the track, and you, oh, I know how to do this. God, I'm doing it. <laughs> Where's your presence? God's left you here because he wants you here. Or like here. He's calling you to something new. I mean, you don't have to lift your hands and worship to feel the presence of God. It's an example, okay? Just chill out. <laughs> maybe what you were doing before, maybe God's left you there so that he's calling you to something new. Maybe it's uh, trusting him in your finances. Maybe it's with your personal devotion time. Here's what some of us do when we find an empty tomb. Because we've got plans to honour God and we are going to honour him no matter what happens. We notice that God's presence is no longer with us. We've been praying, God, bless my plans. Or he might have other plans. So then we're sitting there in the empty tomb and, and, and God's presence has left us. And we sit down in the empty tomb and we say, Jesus, I bought hipster spices for you. I don't want the hipster spices to go to waste. So can you please come back to the tomb and we'll bury you properly as we should have. And he's saying, I've risen from the dead. I'm fine. Don't need the burial anymore. We say, God, please come back and stick to my original plan. Let me bury you. Or even just the fact that we're asking him to come back to the empty tomb. He's calling us out to go to Galilee. And yet we're saying, come back to where I was comfortable. I'm good here. I don't want to do that. I'm here. So you come back and send your presence when I'm here. Well, maybe you're calling me here, but I like you when you're here. So come back to the empty tomb, please, God. We'd like to bury you once again. I'm comfortable, okay? I'm comfortable. No, I don't like roller coasters, Lord. I do not like a good roller coaster. I tried the Pirates of the Caribbean ride at Disneyland, and it wasn't my thing because I had the loop-de-loop. -loop. I went upside down. It's great centrifugal pressure. Okay, Lord? And this is like your prayer time just takes a whole new meaning. My word, you're giving... Jesus, all these examples of what you might do to stick in the comfortable zone. And all he's saying is, I've risen again. I'm calling you out to something new. Don't ask me to come back to the empty tomb. I'm not abandoning you or forsaking you. I'm calling you to something new. So come and follow me. Follow me. 
Thank you. In case you don't know where the story goes, God is sending the women to go to Galilee along with Peter because it's there that Jesus will meet them. He will give them the instructions to go and make disciples. He will send the Holy Spirit to them and he plans to begin the greatest move of God to date. And they get to be involved in that plan. They get to be part of the beginning of the first Christian church which changed the face of this world. So we should ask, What does God want me to do in this situation? Why have I got an empty tomb? What is God calling me to? Here's how the story ends in Mark. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered. And they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Chicken. So they've, they've got this incredibly important message from an angel. Say, go and tell Peter and get the rest of the disciples to go and do what I've already told them to do. And we're going to be part of this incredible move of God. And they say, well, I'm scared, so I'm not going to tell anybody. Now, we know that eventually someone was told and they ended up in Galilee. So well done. Maybe they had a change of heart. So we have to ask ourselves, why is Mark ending the story here? I think he's ending it here because it's like the end of Inception. It's meant to be ambiguous. It's meant to get you to ask questions and to consider action. It's like the Matrix. You know you finish watching the Matrix and you come out and all of a sudden the world has this new... You're like, what if I'm in a computer program? What if this world is not actually real? What if David is actually a robot? I mean, incredible. He's finishing it on a cliffhanger because he wants us to be asking ourselves things and considering action. At the end of Mark's gospel, we're confronted with the thought of people entrusted with instructions to share the good news and follow Jesus into a calling. And he's leaving us with this question. Well, what would you do if an angel came to you and said, right, Leave the empty tomb, go and get them and go and start. I'm calling you into something new. What, what would you do? Because you and I are called to share the good news. And you and I are called out to follow Jesus into whatever it is that he's doing. Can I just ask the band to come? As I conclude, in Matthew 28, verse 8, Matthew provides the resolution to this cliffhanger ending and the key to how we should behave. It says, The women ran quickly from the tomb. They were very frightened but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. Pastor Chris is going to preach next week and explain to us uh, why there's some differences here in these stories. He's going to do a great job of that. We're building suspense now over the course of a week. And he didn't even tell me whether or not he was going to preach on that. So that's just a faith statement or I'm just backing you into a corner. It's one of the two. As they met, excuse me, as they went, Jesus met them. So they're frightened, they're filled with great joy. They rush to give them the message. As they went, Jesus met them. 
It's in the going that Jesus came. So you might be in a situation where whatever's happening in your life, you feel like the tomb is empty and Jesus isn't in it anymore. The solution is not to ask Jesus to come back to the tomb. The solution is for you to go out where He's calling you and it's then that His presence will rejoin you. So whatever it is that He's asking of you, whatever it is that He's calling you to, He will come alongside you and equip you and empower you. His presence will fill you and anoint you to do whatever it is that He's called you to do. But only once you go. So as they went, then Jesus met them. So don't be waiting around in the empty tomb saying, Jesus, when you come back and collect me, that's when I'm going to step out. I'll wait here, Jesus. You come and get me. Don't be doing that. If you've got a sense for something that God is calling you out to, then you need to start going in that direction. And it's then that Jesus will meet you. Would you stand with me? If you can think of an area in your life which has become empty or or dry, Or maybe you have plans which are not going to plan. Then I want to pray for you. Would you close your eyes right now? If that's you, if you've got an area of your life which feels empty or dry or lacking of God's presence, or you have plans which are not going to plan, would you just lift your hands in the air and we're going to pray for you and ask God's presence, His Spirit to come and rest upon you. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6 says this, Be strong and good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, He is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you and not forsake you. Heavenly Father, right now, for every hand that is lifted, for every situation that is empty or dry, for every heart which has lost touch with you, God, we pray that it's because you have a greater plan. We thank You, Father, that Your plan is greater, that You have not left us, You have not forsaken us, that Your plan is greater and You are calling us out right now in Jesus' Name. We commit, Father, that as we hear Your calling, we will step out in faith. And as we walk out in faith, You will meet us. We're believing together, Father. Thank You, Jesus, Your presence. It has not forsaken us for no reason, but you are waiting to rejoin us as we step into the new calling which you've put on our life. Thank you, Lord. Holy God, your presence right now. Holy Spirit, your presence right now to encourage us, Lord. If you're in a situation and you know where, what God is calling you to, you have a sense for what God is calling you to, Can you just make a commitment in your heart right now that you're going to step out in that area this week, that you're going to begin to walk that road to Galilee? Right now, Father, I'm believing that as people shift their hearts towards You, that as they're committing to follow You, God, that there are things waiting for them. Jesus, as You meet them on the road, there are finances waiting for them. There are skills that are waiting for them. There is an anointing that's waiting for them. Thank You, Father, that You're pouring out Your blessing, Your wisdom, Your knowledge, everything that they need to complete that journey. Father, that You're going to come alongside them in a fresh and new way. 
Thank You, God, that people are being stretched and grown. Thank You, Your presence rests upon us as we do that. Holy God, Your church will be built. Your kingdom will come here on earth as it is in heaven as we step out in faith. People's lives will be changed. This city will be changed. And most of all, God, Your name will be lifted up and glorified in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, Amen. Fantastic. Fantastic. Why don't you just keep your eyes closed as we rest here in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Right here in this holy moment, why don't you just ask yourself, am I following God's plans or am I following my own plans? Now ask yourself, am I willing to lay down my own plans in order to follow His plans? And then the last thing we have to ask ourselves is, am I willing to be sent out? Am I willing to minister to other people, to give and not just receive? truth is I believe that every, every one of us is actually called by God to be pursuing Him. And He doesn't ever leave any of us just sitting where we are forever. All of us have like a next step in our journey of discipleship with Him. So maybe you're new here this morning and, and your next step is just to make a decision to follow Jesus. Maybe you're new to the whole church thing or to Christianity and your next step maybe is to be water baptized. Maybe, maybe your next step is to start serving in the house. Maybe it's getting involved in some area of church life. Maybe you're, maybe you're connected, you're doing those things, you've done those things. Maybe God's calling you to start making disciples. Maybe in a new way to share your faith, to, to get involved, maybe in Connect Group or in a Sunday service. Maybe He's calling you to take more weight. Maybe He's calling you to be leading something. Whatever it is, I think a great thing to do is to go and talk to somebody else about it becomes really, really real. The women had a mission, and part of the mission was go tell Peter. Maybe you want to talk to your connect group leader about it and say, hey, I'm thinking my next step is like in this direction. God's calling me into this. Then they can help you go on that journey. They can say, great, let me show you where to go with that.
you're here this morning, while every eye is closed, I just want you to yourself, my eyes are closed as well, just lift your hand and say, that's me that I'm going to do that this week. I'm, I'm stepping out in a new way. I'm going to go talk to somebody about that and be bold and brave. Step out on a new path. Fantastic. The last thing I want to do before we finish the service is just give you an opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't done that before or if you have been away from him and you want to come back this morning, I promised at the beginning that I would tell you why the resurrection is important. Remember that? You've forgotten. There's a whole bunch of reasons. He fulfills prophecy and he defeated death and he wasn't held down by sin, all that stuff. Here's, here's the one that I like, the really important reason. He's alive. So if you're walking down the road and you get to a fork in the road and you don't know which way to God, which way to go, excuse me, or which way to God, if you don't know which way to get to God, and there's a dead man lying on the left and a living man lying on the right, which one are you going to ask for directions? You're going to ask the living one, right? Well, Jesus is alive. So you can ask him for directions. I'm going to be controversial for a second and say the prophet Muhammad, who, who was a, a leader of one of the largest religions on earth, he came to the end of his life and he said, I've got one foot in heaven and one foot in hell. And when I die, I don't know which way I'm going. I don't, I don't want to ask him for directions. He sounds like his GPS is broken. He doesn't really know either way. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. He knows where he's going. He can show you how to get there. He can lead you. He is alive. That's why the resurrection is important. He died on the cross so that your sins could be forgiven. He rose again so that he can be with us to send the Holy Spirit so that we can have life now and life to the fullest. And so that's why I want to offer you an opportunity. Would you just, would it, can everyone just close their eyes so we have a moment of privacy? If you're here this morning and you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, accept Him into your heart, start following Him. Then I'm going to ask you to put your hand up and acknowledge that so that we can pray together and ask Him to come into your life. Thank you, I see that hand. Thank you, I see that hand. You can put them down again. Is there anybody else here who would like to do that? Would you lift your hand? Fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome. You can open your eyes. I would love to pray with you guys. Would you mind just coming to the front? Let's welcome them as they come and we'll pray together. Thank you so much. So good. You can, you can face me because they're, you know. You can just stand here so that you don't have to, you can be comfortable. And yeah, face me. Why don't you just close your eyes? And you can just repeat after me. We'll make it really simple. Dear Jesus, I'm sorry for everything that I've done in the past. It takes me away from you. 
thank you that you died on the cross so I can be made whole. And I ask you to come into my life right now. Fill me afresh. I'm going to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen. Fantastic, God. So good. Let's thank them and welcome them. You can take a seat. Fantastic. Fantastic. Awesome.